Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. And welcome to episode 127 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of December 2014, and actually sort of a bonus episode in a sense because some really awesome news was dropped just yesterday. Today is uh, Monday. I'm actually recording this Monday. It'll go out tomorrow, but uh, Sunday, some amazing news dropped and really, that's all I wanted to say. We've got a very special guest joining us, and let's roll it. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Joining us from the city by the bay, the author of A.G. Subaraya, Master of Monsters, Godzilla historian, and friend of the podcast, Mr. August Ragoni, welcome to the Kaiju Cast once again. Thanks, Kyle, man. How you doing? Good, man. I could not help but notice your article that you posted on the good, the bad, and the Godzilla about yes. this news. Can you give us a brief overview of what happened this past weekend in Tokyo? Yeah, well, uh, Toho decided to send out a press release that their intentions are expanding for uh, the Godzilla 60th anniversary. Now, a lot of people would figure this is the year that was the 60th anniversary, and by November 3rd, you know, it'd pretty much be over. That's sort of Western thinking. You know, we, we celebrate an anniversary of, like, whatever film or personality or whatever, and the week, you know, the week after is pretty much it's done. In Japan, it's usually, you know, when someone passes away, <clears throat> there's a year of mourning. So when, like, Eiji Tsuburaya passed away in 1970... Um, the company put a freeze on anything that wasn't already in the machine as far as production. Anything that was being planned uh, for 1971 had to be put off to like 1972. Hmm. You know, things like this, right? So you do this this period. It's the same thing when when uh, his uh, middle son, Noboru Subaraya, passed away in the late 90s. He was really trying to push the company to do an American or a Western Ultraman. And that's why we got the Australian one. And then we got uh, the one shot down in Hollywood, uh, Ultraman, uh, the ultimate hero or Ultraman powered as a lot of people know it as. But once he passed away, they had a year of mourning and they said, we're scrapping all plans to make an international Ultraman show. We're going to concentrate on the Japanese market. And that's how like Ultraman Zayearth and, uh, you know, an Ultraman Tiga came about. And that launched a whole new, you know, era of the Ultra franchise. So the same kind of thing happened. So with, in terms of a, a, a celebration, so the 60th anniversary is, is this year, but to the Japanese, the 60th anniversary has just begun. Gotcha. Very cool. So yeah. So they made this announcement. 
they are, you know, making plans to produce a movie. It's kind of all sketchy and some things might get lost in the translation depending on the article that you read or whoever Googled it, <laughs> whoever Google translated it. Right, right. <laughs> um, and the Japanese, legitimate Japanese news organs uh, like Japan Times and uh, Yomiuri uh, Shimbun, they, their English sites have only put out, you know, like a 400 word blurb basically that seemed, most of them seem to concentrate on the uh, promotional aspect and not really about the film in question that Toho has announced that they're producing a Japanese produ a Japanese made Godzilla film uh, that they're going to do at Toho. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the big news. Everybody seems to have focused on this, uh, the large Godzilla head. Uh, we'll talk about it a little later, I guess. Yeah. And, and, uh, and where that's going in, in uh, central Tokyo and, and what building it's going to go on. And everybody seems to have kind of like, you know, glommed onto that, but they haven't really expanded or talked about the film that yeah. they announced, which is the biggest news of all. Yeah, that's what I would say is the biggest news, especially since that's what we're seeing here is being re-reported in the States, like through the Hollywood Reporter and Variety. Now, it's a staff member from Toho apparently told the Hollywood Reporter that the licensing contract that they have with Legendary places no restrictions on Toho making domestic versions. Do you have right. any thoughts on that? Is that has that ever been done before? Have there ever been two concurrent series produced domestically and abroad at the same time? Absolutely. And another case of Japan and the United States and the company was Marvel. In the late 70s, Marvel, back then it was known as Marvel Comics Group. They were producing a TV series for CBS. Uh, or were involved in the production of the TV series for CBS, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, which ran from 77 to 79. Meanwhile, in Japan, Marvel was really trying to push their brand in Japan, which never caught on. American comics had a brief popularity through GIs during the occupation, just giving out comics to kids. Mm -hmm. But American comics sold in Japan used to have a very... Not a not a really good uh, opportunity to to blossom in Japan, and they tried numerous promotions, and they always specifically kind of usually start with Spider Man. And uh, are you familiar with the manga Crying Freeman? I am not familiar with that. Okay, well, it's kind of a famous manga, uh, and it was drawn by this guy named Ryoichi Ikegami, and he was the first Japanese manga artist uh, when he was young. He was like a new guy. Uh, that did the uh, Japanese adaptation of Spider-Man as a comic book in Japan, which Marvel eventually years later released in English. Oh, cool. Sort of like, you know, everybody's kind of familiar now with Bat Manga, you know, the, the Japanese Batman manga reproductions from the 60s. Mm -hmm. But this was the same kind of thing. So so Spider-Man was this focal point. Marvel was keep trying to push its brand. They came to Toei, the guys who produce what we know over here is the Power Rangers shows, all those Japanese superhero shows with the robots and, you know, all the... All the uh, all the cool stuff, man. Yep. They were planning to do a series of Marvel live action shows that were going to feature Japanese casts with the possibility of Marvel doing what would be known later as a Saban. They would Sabanize it. Yeah. So it would come to America and they would just use the special effects scenes and the fighting scenes and then film scenes with all new actors in America. The only one they really got out uh, of the gate was, uh, was Spider-Man. And that was the same time that the American Spider-Man series was running in the United States. Gotcha. So they had Japanese Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, I have. Japan, uh, yeah. Yeah, I have that. I absolutely love it. It's very, very Japanese. And, you know, it's a lot of people for years were saying just as a sidetrack that uh, Marvel was embarrassed by the Japanese Spider-Man. And that's not that's not true. What happened was, uh, you know, Stan Lee loved it. 
at the time those shows were being made, you have to realize that there was nothing like it on American TV. And so, you know, whenever I showed stuff to people uh, through my personal experience of like trading tapes with people in Japan when there was, remember back when they had VHS tapes? Oh, yeah. Um, and people would see this stuff and just go, oh, my God, this is totally insane. This is so awesome. So they felt the same way, you know, and Stan Lee loved it. And uh, they were trying to plan on bringing some of these things to the United States, like I said. They were even going to do a Spider-Man, I think it was Marvel Premiere was the magazine, Hmm. but they were going to do a Fumetti. You know what a Fumetti is? No, I have never heard of a Fumetti. Well, Fumetti is an Italian, sort of started out as an Italian, and I'm probably getting this wrong. I'm not an expert about Italian stuff, even though I am Italian. So, but uh, the Fumetti is a comic book using movie frames, blown up frames. Or images from a movie or a TV show. Oh, I have word seen balloons. those before. Yeah. Right. They're generally kind of popular all over. They were really popular all over Europe and uh, a lot of Latin American countries. But um, so the Fumetti, they were going to do it. Uh, Marvel was going to do a Fumetti of the first two episodes of the Japanese Spider-Man show. And they even had a cover. They commissioned a cover. And the cover is, you know, gets, you can see it online. It's in someone's collection, the original artwork for the cover. Uh, from 1979, they were going to publish this to sort of introduce the American comic book fans to the Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, what happened was that to pr- printing technology at the time, because even in Italy and Europe, a lot of those things look really bad and dark or cheap, you know, cheap looking. Uh, and so they kind of scrapped the idea. They, they couldn't get it the way they looked the way they wanted it to look as professional as they wanted it to look uh, at the time. And the Japanese have done similar things. But usually they've done them just straight in color. And they did a series of uh, what they, we also call photo novels of uh, Godzilla films. You, you probably have a couple in your collection. You know, they're almost paperback size and they're frame blow-ups from the movies with word balloons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they have like one for Godzilla vs. the Thing and there's one for Terra Mecha Godzilla and a couple of the other ones. So, yeah, it's the same idea. They were going to do that with the Spider-Man thing. So the, the, the precedent for the Godzilla film is that, you know, Toho worked this out with Legendary in their contract. You know, they didn't want to be shut out, I think, the way that they were locked into their agreement with uh, TriStar Sony, which is, you know, they couldn't really do anything at all. Okay, you know, cool. They were rolling over and burying their neck, you yeah. know, saying, like, we'll just not do anything until you say you don't want to make any more. So they learned from that mistake. Oh, yeah. They learned that, you know, while they're everybody's sitting there waiting, like Japanese fans are going like, hey, you know, the American movie was really cool. You know, for the 2014 film, the Gareth Edwards film. Mm-hmm. And, but the Japanese fans were like, but can we have a Japanese Godzilla too? You know, why don't you make one too? Just like the fans here. Yeah. You know, yeah, the totally. fans here would like you the more Godzilla, the better, even though there's this weird division now that it's sort of the double edged sword of uh, a movie being popular. It's when the 98 film, you know, there were people that liked it, but you know, you back then you would be ashamed to admit it because everybody would just hammer you down by going, that sucked. <laughs> you know, and now with, People really loving the 2014 film, but it's still divisive. There are people who don't like it or don't care for it. You know, there's there's there are people that are such staunch advocates of the film that they're that they're trying they're now saying outrageous things like the Japanese should just give up because Americans are making the Godzilla movies now. We don't want to see any more crappy Japanese movies. Yeah, ridiculous I don't fall thing into that ever. camp at all. Not at all. 
I you totally know, want to see more Japanese films. Yeah, you know, and Godzilla has become this character that is larger than the films. And a lot of people have very personal <laughs> feelings on the monster, on, on the character, uh, and what he is, what he stands for. People argue about that. You know, what even what Godzilla means, people right. argue endlessly about. But, um, you know, people get this sort of self-entitlement about these characters that they care about. And uh, the other side of the coin is I became interested in these movies because as a kid, and I saw these movies in very formative age, like a lot of people did. And, you know, the movies made an impression on me. But as I got older and I was aware that, hey, these are movies made in Japan when I was, you know, started watching these movies when I was like maybe three, four, five years old. You know, by the time you're eight, you know, you know that there's this country called Japan that these movies are made in. That adds a whole another layer of mythic quality to the films because it's this far off exotic land, you know, <laughs> of Japan that you can't see and you can't go and your parents are not going to let you go. Right. It's like, grow up, get a job and then you can go, buddy. You know, <laughs> the so, far off land where monsters attack. Yes. Right. You know, the land of the rising monsters. You know, so as I was growing up, the main, one of the reasons why I love these movies is because they are Japanese. So I even have a problem with, you know, the Gareth Edwards film when it was being made, and there's very little being spoken about it from the production side, obviously. Mm -hmm. One of the, my main concerns, will Godzilla lose his Japanese-ness? Meaning, are they just going to take this thing and stick it like a product in the film? Sort of like what they did with 98 and then change his character entirely around. You know, course, I think yeah. fortunately for me, there were several parts of the movie where it really felt like a Japanese movie. You know, it really had that it invoked the feeling, the same feeling. So it was successful in that way in many points. I think the Japanese are totally entitled. <laughs> it's their character. And I know a lot of people go, well, the character belongs to the fans, but like the Star Wars fans, you know, Star Wars belongs to the fans. But it really doesn't. It belongs to the people that make the film. And then we can enjoy and, and not like whatever they produce. We can choose and pick what we like and what we don't like. And no two fans are ever going to agree, you know. Uh, that's going to be more fistfights there than anything George <laughs> Lucas could have done or not done, you know. Yeah. So as far as the fans go, right? Have, do you know anything more about this Godzilla conference, the, the Godzicon? Right. Like, is that yeah. something that they're getting Japanese fans together to sort of talk about? Like, why they love Godzilla? Yeah, you would think that's what it implies, but from the, the actual Japanese kanji, the, the, the Chinese characters that are used to render the name of what they've translated out very simplistically as Godzilla Conference, mm -hmm. is actually a Godzilla Strategy Conference. So that's missing from the translation. That's their official English translation, Toho's, is Godzilla Conference. So you can't really play around with that. You can explain that in a footnote that it's really what the word is, the entomology of the word, you know, but it's, it's a strategy group within Toho with three producers, two of them youngish producers. So they have their pulse on currents in Japanese cinema. And they've also produced popular recent films themselves and a uh, sort of a patriarchal person that is in, in charge, essentially, who has been with the company since 1974 and started working in uh, sales and marketing and then worked his way up to foreign sales and marketing. It's sort of like you got an old generation Toho person and you have, you know, you have two younger guys and uh, they're going to be cooperating with other people within the company and uh, discussing their strategies for promotions of Godzilla on a much wider scale. Like, let's say, just leaving the toys up to the marketing, you know, one little marketing department. This is going to be specifically a Godzilla department within Toho that deals with Godzilla, period. 
Well, that's pretty cool, actually. That's almost better than what I was hoping it would be. Yeah, that's the impression that they've given in their in their press release. Yeah. So um, I have some really strong thoughts about some of the things they hinted at. But interestingly, real quickly, just runs through my head that there were a lot of uh, Japanese fans. Like one of the first people to tip me off, and I'm not doing this to drop a name, but the first person to tip me off about this news story breaking, because, you know, there's a 17-hour difference between Tokyo and the West Coast of the United States. Oh, I'm aware, my friend. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. <laughs> But uh, a lot of people, you know, really don't know that when they're awake or asleep and vice versa, you know. But when news drops in Japan, unless you're up like a night owl like I am sometimes, when they're waking up and the news stories start going out in the morning, you're going to miss stuff. But a friend of mine, uh, Yuji Kaida, the, the famed kaiju illustrator, tipped me off to the story. And he was like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> they were all taken completely by surprise. Unless I think you work for Toho, nobody had a clue. Yeah. Nobody had a clue. They kept this really tip-top, zip-zip mouth. Like one of the early stories that came out could be translated as, you know, we haven't figured out the screenplay yet. And the other one sort of translated out as we are working on a screenplay right now. And if they're going to be shooting next year, they were probably deep in story ideas now. And they're probably having a first draft or something written pretty soon. Because if they announced it now, they've probably been planning this for several months, obviously. Right, right. If not longer, right? So one of the interesting things in the article is that they, uh, the one that was run on Ega.com, which was, you know, had the beefiest information of most of the Japanese news stories that broke within the first two hours that the news broke in Japan. And I luckily I was able to post my story <laughs> within, within about the two hours that after I found out about it, you know. Yeah, I had originally written a, a, a shorter story just to get the news out because there were only one or two short Japanese news stories uh, out there. And then all of a sudden, by the time I had, had written it and by the time I was about ready to hit publish, I went, well, you know what? I'm going to go check one more time. I'm going to go, you know, go check Japanese news sites, you know, and, and see what's, if there's any more news because I want more verification. Because the first thing I was going through my head, fans are going to go, this is BS. You're right, making yeah. this stuff up. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was exactly what I read into it when I saw that it was like the Anime News Network. I was like, right. well, take this with a grain of salt, people. But well, then, the Anime course, News you, Network you is, you know, is, is really reliable because they just take Japanese news service. You know, it's the akin to like, you know, something comes out on the AP wire, the Associated Press wire. Mm-hmm. And then you just put it on your, your website or your new, put it in your newspaper. You know, what they do is they have, you know, a bunch of translators working for them and people that, you know, are translators that, that are, you know, uh, but they're, they're people that are more deeply into anime. So they post pop culture news all the time. So it's usually, it's usually like it might not be in depth or they might not get what they're writing about, but the, you know, it's the news is pretty reliable. When I saw that they posted something, I went, Crap, they beat me by mere seconds, right? But um, the thing was that, you know, the, it was it was based on, it would almost mirrored the original uh, piece I wrote. And like, as I, as I said, I went back to start doing searches for more Japanese news stories. And then all of a sudden, there was like a dozen. Yeah. A dozen more stories. And the initial story that I was tipped off to was Nikkei, which is, you know, the, one of the most reliable, you know, news sources in Japan. It's, it's sort of like the Wall Street Journal, you know, it's. Very, very lofty, you know, Nikkei. Uh. The Nikkei is actually sort of like the Japanese index 
like the stock market index. Okay. So that's what, so it's a very, it's, it's kind of would be considered in the same position as the Wall Street Journal is here. So when I saw that initial story, I knew it was true right away. But I wanted verification. Like I said, I wrote a little thing up, was ready to post it, decided, eh, I'm going to wait a second. Saw that Anime News Network posted almost exactly the same thing. Then there were like a dozen other Japanese news stories from all reliable, uh, very reliable sites, including Ega.com, which is one of the foremost movie websites in Japan. And so they had a much beepier, you know, article. So I went, this is awesome. So I... Went in and I, I, I dropped a couple things. I dropped the Guinness World Records thing out of it. I think it detracted from the main focus of talking about the movie. Right, right. You know, and then I was going to do a follow up on the Guinness thing. And I went, well, that would be like a blurb and a picture if I can find it, but they're not going to even have a picture until they actually give the award. So eh, whatever. That's not important. The movie's important. The movie that's going to be coming out is important. And already there were the website was up for the, uh, for the hotel. That's doing the Godzilla room, and that's adjacent to this Godzilla head. But uh, so we got that, you know, I got that news up, and uh, it was it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird that you know I I tweeted it. Yes, I have a Twitter account. <laughs> you know, I barely use it, but yeah, I you know I put it on Twitter, right. and then I started uh, posting it on Facebook, uh, sharing it to. Uh, all, as many of the Godzilla and, and Japanese monster related places I could to spread the love. And it blew up, man. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, you and I know each other. Yeah. And it's refreshing to me to know that you hold this kind of stuff so important that you're willing to not just fire something off as soon as you see something, you know, you see smoke, ah, there's a fire, you know, you don't do that. You do your research and you you found several Japanese articles and you did your own translation and you did your own sort of like compilation news bit. And if the listeners haven't been out there and seen your your article, I'm definitely going to have a link in the show notes to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that spread like wildfire, man. Congratulations Dude, it's on like, that. It's like a half million hits in a, in a like it, I don't know. I was I went up two o'clock West Coast time, I think. Yeah, and it's almost seven o'clock now. Uh, the next day, so yeah, that's really weird, man. But you know, hey, it's kind of a cool indication that there's a lot of people interested in Godzilla news. You know, and you could post a story about, well, there's this book that came out, and you know, maybe you don't get a lot of hits from that. No matter who you are, I'm not just saying myself. Right, right. But, you know, unless you're a hardcore follower who chases all the websites for news and information, you know, you're going to be the repeat guy. But this flurry, this gigantic spike of like a half a million hits, almost, (laughs) it boggles the mind. They're, you know, either people are just, you know, like hitting the page 15 times or refreshing the page (laughs) a hundred times, you know, something's going on here. And it, it doesn't mean that Oh, my page is pop. My blog is popular now. What it means is there's people that are really intently interested in this news. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect time for Toho to capitalize on the success of the legendary pictures Godzilla. Right. I couldn't be happier with the news. It's a smart move because a lot of people might say, well, you know, why don't they wait till it fails? You know, or why don't they wait till their contract runs out? They're striking while the iron's hot. Right. Which is brilliant, which is something the older regime at Toho might not have done at all. And we sort of can tell that they really didn't do it because that wasn't in their contract before, I assume, uh, in regards to the 98 film and uh, what happened with, you know, then following up with Godzilla 2000. Fortunately, 
you know, their attitude, as is in the article, um, seems to be to pushing the envelope, right? Now, we all know that, and people who work inside the, the industry there, including guys like Norman England, who's a great, you know, eye into that completely, you know, uh, different cultural world of filmmaking that's vastly different than, similar, but different than what, how the film industry is run in the United States. You know, Norman's always had really great observations, obviously, because he's the man on the ground, you know? Yeah. You know, he knows when they go, well, you know, like some of the companies, I'm not going to name any of them, you know, are notoriously cheap because if they lose their shirts, they're really losing their shirts. Right. Because what a lot of people don't factor in is they, uh, especially American fans, is that Japan is a tiny country, and America is a really big country. You know, and America's films go all over the world, but Japanese films don't go all over the world. There are certain things that do that make it look like they're popular. Let's say the Power Rangers franchise. Somebody's making money off of that. But the Japanese companies have always had this feeling, uh, especially after the 1960s, as, uh, you know, film, the film production's golden age uh, started dying out uh, in the late 60s and 70s, in early, seven, early to mid-late 70s, when it just completely flatlined, mm-hmm. you know, um, that uh, they've all tightened their belts to save for a rainy day. So they're afraid of doing some big-budget film that, if it bombs in Japan, they're going to lose their shirts. Right. You know, because it's a much smaller country. It's harder. So they, they make the film sort of, uh, you know, it, it's sort of like, and you know, Americans are sort of like Italian cooks. They make big meals for a big family. And they know everybody's going to eat it. What doesn't get eaten, you know, they're going to save that for leftovers. Right. People are going to take it home. They're going to put some in the fridge. <laughs> okay. The Japanese make meals for one. They make these beautifully composed Beautifully tasty meals, but they make them for like one or two people. And that's sort of in a really horrible way, an analogy. <laughs> that's the most horrible analogy I've ever heard. Um, it's an interesting route, though. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you smoking, Ragoni? Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a, t- a totally different mindset. And of course, a, you know, a lot of American fans are going to think, well, you know, they, when they sell those movies to America, they're going to be making a lot more money anyway. But, you know, that's not really the case. Otherwise, that would have already happened in the past. Right. If, if, you know, so Toe is taking advantage of the fact that, you know, they've got all this bread now from the 2014 film. Right. And so they're going to invest some of that in what they're doing. And it's not just going to be limited to making the movies, but then there's going to be products. There, this this group is going to be working on ancillary products, you know, and outside promotions. Before we stray too far, I don't know if you want to wait. We could wait on this, maybe. But I have predictions who might be directing this movie. Uh, let's wait on that. Okay, we may, maybe yeah. put that at the end to keep people listening. Well, let's um, let's quickly talk about uh, some of the other things that are going on here that are not movie related stuff. Uh, you also reported that the hotel, there's a hotel in Tokyo that is going to have a giant Godzilla head on top of their building, and I did a little bit of reading about that myself, a little bit of Google translating about that myself, right. and uh, it sounds interesting. But I was just kind of wondering what you could tell us about that. Well, in uh, the Kabukicho neighborhood. Uh, Shinjuku, which is a, a central part of uh, Tokyo. It's where Godzilla attacked in Godzilla 85 or Return of Godzilla 84 with the big tall skyscrapers when he gets into battle with the, with the Super X. Mm-hmm. That's Shinjuku. And in Shinjuku, there is a, the entertainment area 
uh, across from where those hotels were and those office buildings, that is the Kabuki Cho Entertainment Dis- District. And there was a theater there for many, many, many years called the Toho Koma Theater, or also known as the Shinjuku Koma Theater. And it was scheduled to be demolished. It was a beautiful, huge theater, but it was old. You know, and the Japanese don't really keep a lot of buildings. It's not really that monsters are stomping on things all the time. Yeah. It's that they get to they get to a lifespan of a building, especially more modern structures. And uh, if the building is like 40 years old, it's cheaper sometimes to tear the building down and build a whole new building. Right. So you see a lot of that. You know, this building that they're putting up, there's actually two things going up in this lot right now. They're both new buildings. One of them is the Shinjuku Toho building which is going to be a um, theater and business complex. So it's going to be a new Toho building or offices because they usually have their offices in Ginza and the Urakucho neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And there's plans to tear that building down. I don't know if anything's happening with that. I haven't really read up on anything more on that. But the Mullion building with the glass building that reflects Godzilla in in, uh, the 1984 movie. Yes, yes. They're supposed to tear that down. Huh. I didn't you know, know, and that, that was the original site of the movie theater Godzilla Destroys in 54. Right, and that's where they have the smaller statue, right? That's right. Yeah. Maybe they're moving their offices there, or they're expanding their offices, but it's also going to be a movie theater complex. They already have another one, you know, in Shinjuku, the Shinjuku Piccadilly, you know, shows Toho movies, but it's not a Toho theater. So that's going to be the Toho theater in Shinjuku now, uh, multiplex uh, kind of deal, movie theater complex. I believe that opens on April 15th. Okay. What's being built adjoiningly is a building that's going to be a hotel called the Hotel Gracery Shinjuku, and that's going to officially open on April 25th. The building is going to have a terrace at the eighth floor, so there's going to be a huge open terrace. Right. And a lot of people think terraces, they think they're kind of small, so it's going to be kind of like almost like a giant you know, patio or giant plaza. Like a big atrium? Yeah, open air. Yeah. Yeah. And on that... They're constructing a life-size Godzilla head, which is going to be peering over the building <laughs> with one claw and the claw coming over the side of the building, one claw coming over the side of the building, peering down at people in the street. And that building is going to be visible when you exit Shinjuku Station and you're crossing Shinjuku Yasukuni Street. You'll be able to see Godzilla. That is awesome. Like, and, the, and from the ground level to the top of the head measures 52 meters, which is just two meters higher than the original Godzilla from 54. So it's truly going to look life-size. And they're constructing this thing out of uh, concrete and special fiberglass materials. Someone somewhere on the internet said something about it being animatronic, but I really kind of doubt that because that's going to require a lot of maintenance and it seems kind of cheesy. I hate to use that word, but it just seems kind of trite. I mean, it's going to be kind of like, obtruse enough just to have the Godzilla head oh, yeah. on a building. You yeah. can't get tackier with animatronics. Yeah. So that's going to be on this, you know, the eighth floor of the terrace. So people can go up to the eighth floor of the terrace and, you know, hang out with Godzilla's head smashing through the roof. So when you're on the roof, it's going to look like Godzilla's head is smashed through the roof. So there's going to be debris like he's coming out of the floor of the terrace. That and is from really the cool. street level, it's going to look like he's peering over the building. And they decided to use the Heisei uh, God style Godzilla for this uh, representation of his head. And they're specifically using the one from Godzilla vs. Mothra 1992. It's a big ticket seller for them, right? Yeah, it's a big ticket seller for him. And I think Toho's is sort of made the Heisei Godzilla sort of their overseas brand. Yeah. You know, that's the image they like to push. And then they have 
you know, what we would probably call in, you know, uh, American comic book no- nomenclature, you know, sort of like Batman 66. Then you have Showa Godzilla, you know, so they kind of had that division there. But the Heisei, you know, the Heisei is sort of popular brand. That's the one they like to, you know, to push. That's the one that Bandai, you know, uh, that Toho prefers Bandai uh, do for all of their, you know, toys and model kits or whatever they're they're doing at the time. Right. So, you know, some people are going, that's oh, not a hey, it's not a show of Godzilla. But, you know, it's just cool. It's Godzilla. Let's just be happy about that. Oh, yeah. Let's just be happy. It's not Gino. Yeah. No, I can't wait. I mean, I'd look forward to the next time I'm in uh, Japan and heading to Shinjuku and walking out of the station and being able to see that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, on top of that, you know, if, you know, if you want to be a super nerd and you, and you, and you're a rich super nerd, you could probably stay in the hotel. The hotel is going to have this. This is the hotel Gracery Shinjuku that's adjacent to this Toho Shinjuku building, which the terrace is a part of the hotel. It's going to be looking onto the terrace as well. There's going to be two Godzilla rooms in the hotel that people can book and stay in the Godzilla room. And uh, one of them, I think, is a double room. One of them is a single room, and they have different features. But they have things like a Godzilla statue in the room, and yeah. the posters of the wall are murals. That's the, you know, the, the general artist conception. One of the rooms, specifically, I don't know if both of them is at this time. There's not enough information to go on. But at least one of them in an artist's rendition is that you look out your window of your room, you, you're looking at the Godzilla head. Oh, okay, gotcha, over the, yeah. So you could, when you wake up and look out of the window, the first thing you see is Godzilla. Oh, hey, gozaimasu, Godzilla-san. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're going all out. And I mean, Toho would not be spending this kind of money unless they were kind of serious because you know, in the past, they've done things that maybe were sort of what we'd like to say, or I like to say, is like on a carny level. It's like all paper mache and falling apart, you know? Right, right. And uh, this is a huge commitment. Toho has its own other businesses, like, you know, uh, with uh, real estate and hotels and whatnot. So I'm sure this is some, you know, collaboration with either they own the hotel or they own a part interest in the hotel. So, you know, this is a kind of a big deal. You know, and uh, I think a lot of fans really just realize, American fans, realize that this is something that looks really, really cool, you know, and that's, oh, my God, you know, that's just, that's why Japan is so awesome, right? But at the same time, you know, from a Japanese standpoint, this is a really big move for Toho. Yeah. Because they're usually very um, careful with their money, shall we say. Yeah. I would say reserved for sure. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Well, the only other thing I really wanted to cover in this conversation with you, man, is we mentioned it a little bit earlier, Guinness Book of World Record. Right. They are naming the Godzilla series the longest continuously running movie franchise. Right. Do you have any details on this? Uh, I'm assuming that we can expect some sort of mention in the in like an upcoming book or something. You know, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, in, you know, whatever materials that guinness is going to be putting out you know i I, i'm i was taken by surprise finding that out i thought it was almost like old information hadn't this already happened you know and uh you know it had happened with the ultraman franchise Mm -hmm. you know and they did the award ceremony with uh ultraman accepting the award for i think the longest continually running television franchise or something yeah you know, so this is the longest continuously running movie franchise. So I think Toho really needs to keep that up because they would lose that really quick with a new Bond coming out. You know, they're going to have to crank out some more Godzillas, you know, they keep, yeah. they keep those numbers up, man. And I don't mean they're just going to, cr- and don't take me literally when I say Toho's going to crank out some movies. <laughs> right, right. It's a turn of phrase. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it, 
I, I think it's it's really kind of cool that it's recognized as such. You know, uh, just another thing that goes into the pop culture. It reminds me of the of Godzilla getting the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Right. You know, and to people overseas and, you know, the rest of the world, you know, sort of like the Guinness Book is a little bigger than the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm-hmm. As, as horrible that might, as that might, unpatriotic that, as that might sound to my fellow Americans. What's the matter, you know? man? You love Japanese cinema so much. Why don't you go yeah. live there? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I'd like to go back. Um all I have to do is find a job as, you know, Rex Garvin, male prostitute, you know. <laughs> the old SNL sketch. Was it Rex Garvin? It was Fred Garvin. Jeez, uh, I'm old. <laughs> Rex Garvin. Fred Garvin, male prostitute. That was Dan Aykroyd, kids, one of the Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> woo! Never drink a double shot of la- a latte before you go on to a, or any kind of a podcast or talking to other human beings or being in public at all. Um, but uh, I think, you know, it's pretty exciting that all this is happening and it's going to continue for the next, you know, through next year and whatever Toho has got planned. I mean, if, you know, the hotel thing is successful and I think I looked at the rooms and the rooms are like monstrously expensive for the reservations. You know, there's going to be other things that are going to be coming out. Who knows what they're going to be doing? One of the first moves that is part of this is probably the video game that's being, you know, uh, localized. Right, right. Uh, the Bandai Namco game, you know, so that's, I think that's a part of this in a way for their, their international, uh, marketing perhaps. But, uh, I don't know if they're just going to, you know, the, the, the Japanese films, good question is, are these going to be restricted to Japan or will legendary be able to distribute them? And I think that's probably part of their deal is like maybe legendary would be able to distribute, distribute them stateside. And I don't think any of them are really going to get theatrical releases because that would be competition to, because you have to spend a lot of money to promote it. And then people get confused. Like people got confused with Godzilla 2000. A lot of people thought it was a sequel to 98. Right, right. We can't expect everybody to be hardcore fans or even casual fans that know better. Right. You know, it's like somebody sees Godzilla in the title and they think it's connected to the other thing that was released two years ago. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like, you know, very pure logic, you know, and you can't expect everybody to be a Godzilla nerd. But, you know, I think that they may put those forth you know, through home video and streaming. I think that's where the Japanese produced pictures may turn up if that's part of their deal. Sounds you know, like abroad. a smart move to me, man. Yeah, if it's abroad, I think that's what that's the platform they're they're gonna use and Toe's gonna hope to make up, you know, the domestic box office and whatever sales that the films go for to legendary. Like legendary isn't gonna automatically just get them because they have a deal with Toho. Mm-hmm. You know, Legendary is going to have to buy them. Right. They're going right. to have to license those films because they have a license to make their own movies. So it's going to be smarter for Legendary to put these out. And with Legendary's current partnership, uh, now with Universal, you know, one would assume that these would come out under the Universal home video label. Uh, now this is just pure speculation, people, based on nothing but educated guesses. So don't start blogging this stuff and <laughs> posting it in forums. It's just me pipe dreaming, man. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a, you know, I think that might be a possibility, but then again, maybe these are only, I can't just see these just playing only in Japan, you know, because if, if they bomb <laughs> in Japan, right, you know? right. but there is this more interest. And the rough, the rough thing is, is that, you know, in, in the United States, there's, a, there's probably even, 
if you had to do a per capita, because America is a big, vast country compared to the size of Japan and the populations are diametrically opposed. There are more Godzilla fans per capita in the United States, or, you know, than, than Japan per capita. Yeah. Because most people that are Godzilla fans in Japan are over 40. And people think that's crazy, but that's what the truth is because most kids don't know what Godzilla is. Toho, part of Toho's problem is, you know, um, with that was, you know, they never broadcasted Godzilla movies on TV in Japan. So it was always sort of like something you had to go out and get. You had to be aware of. Right. In right. the 80s, there was the home video boom and sales went up. But there were a lot of teenagers into that. But those teenagers in 1983, you know, are in their 40s and 50s now. There's a whole generation that hasn't grown up with Godzilla. And a lot of Americans, generation after generation, like I in the 70s with Godzilla movies on TV and sometimes in theaters. Uh, and the kids that came later, you know, in the eighties had home video and they got Godzilla 1985, but you know, they got, you know, home video. And then in the nineties, you know, you had the big revival, uh, on television. So you had like TNT doing monster vision. So a, a lot of new fans got hooked on that. And then the new movies came over in the internet and all this, you know, so there's always been a, a, a wider variety of age ranges for Godzilla fans in the United States over the last 20 years, while in Japan, it is flatlined for people under, you know, uh, adult ages. So there's a lot of kids over there. So this is going to be, you know, probably with the, the success of the 2014 film there, there's more awareness of Godzilla introduces an American. Oh, the American movie. We have to go see it. Oh, wow. Great. You know, oh, this is cool. So then Toho puts out their Japanese made Godzilla films, their in-house Godzilla films. And, you know, hopefully that'll spark an interest in younger generations, which they've always tried to capitalize from, you know, uh, through the 90s uh, and never really able to catch them really big. Because we know all the tropes that they tried to do, like, oh, we're going to put a Hamtaro cartoon before, right, you know, right. GMK. That'll bring kids in. Yeah. You know, that wasn't really the case, you know. So, you know, Ultraman and, and the Power Rangers type characters are far more popular in Japan than Godzilla, which has been sort of forgotten as the realm of, you know, people who love old movies and, and, and just old fanboys. Right. Right. Uh, so that's got to change. And I think that's what Toho with this group is also going to be trying to change to, uh, to make Godzilla appeal uh, to the home market again through the success of the Gareth Edwards movie. So, well, I like it, man. It sounds, it all sounds good to me and it sounds like uh, a great way to propel the series uh, into the future. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, that we are looking at not the end of the 60th anniversary, but we're looking at the beginning, you know, right, of right. a new era right now. So, and don't start coming up with weird names for this era. <laughs> let yeah. the Japanese come uh, up with it. I'll let the Japanese do that. No problem. You know, it's still Heisei, you know, cause the current emperor yeah, is still breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. you'll let the Japanese come up with it. You know, they're a little better at it than we are. So just let them do it. It's right. their monster. <laughs> yeah. So last thing I wanted to cover yeah. with you, man, just real quick. You said earlier you uh, you maybe had some potential predictions for who right. might be involved with the film. Now, I have been right. terrible as of late as to, uh, like, staying abreast of Japanese cinema in general. Right. So I have no idea who would be a, a, a valid director right. producer etc for the godzilla series for upcoming godzilla movies what what right. do you think man well looking at some of the stuff toho has said in, in the recent news reports and a couple things that some japanese filmmakers have said on facebook 
not really hinting, but just just them throwing names out, you know, for fun. And Toho mentions um, a movie in the news story that I, you know, that I included in, in my translation, uh, which is called Parasite. And that's spelled S at the end, you know, S-Y-T-E, not S-I-T-E, mm-hmm. which is based on a manga about aliens taking over human bodies. And it's a two-part movie, uh, sort of like the Death Note movies that Kaneko did a decade ago. Right, yeah. Um, and these are being done by Takashi Yamazaki, who did Returner. Oh, right, okay. Time-traveling sci-fi movie. Yeah. And he did Juvenile, which was the robot movie, the early 2000s that I think if people, if there was more, if the internet was at the level it is now, people would be more aware of this film mm-hmm. called Juvenile, which is a really great, like, kids movie with robots in it. It's pretty awesome. And, and Yamazaki started out <clears throat> without giving you his entire biography. Right. Yamazaki started out as a, uh, video effects artist. So he's a VFX artist and he started his own company called Robot. And, and, and so eventually as he started doing more films, uh, doing VFX for more films, people saw his demo reels and what he was doing and said, why don't you helm a movie? You know, he did Returner. A lot of people were surprised by this, you know, freshman or sophomore director you know uh you know come out at the gate with a pretty damn good little movie you know and uh he kept rising exponentially uh as a director especially when he did the always films and the always films and again based on a manga but this time set in the real world it's japan during the late 1950s you know uh the very late 1950s when Tokyo Tower is being built in the neighborhood that Tokyo Tower was being built in a neighborhood that in the buildings and neighborhoods that haven't existed in Japan since you know maybe the mid 70s brought back to life because virtually except for the interior scenes where you know the characters are inside their how homes or buildings almost everything is green screened you know it's it's like you know it's like the prequels and George, you know? Right, right. Everything's a green screen. Yeah. So they had to recreate 19, late 1950s Tokyo uh, virtually. Yeah. And they did an amazing job. He won 12, the, the film won 12 Japanese Academy Awards, the first film, you know? And then in the second film, remember, he does Godzilla? Yeah. In the opening dream sequence? Oh, yeah. He's a Godzilla fan. He also did a couple years ago, he did the live action space battleship Yamato movie which is on Blu-ray in the United States through Funimation. And while your mileage may vary with the condensation of a very epic story squeezed into two hours and a lot of significant changes made to it, no one can deny that the visual effects are pretty god darn impressive. Yeah. So he did that. Toho has him now doing Parasite. That's a two-part movie that he's directing. And, of course, because he owns the company Robot, the visual effects company, uh, he's doing the visual effects and directing Parasite as he did with Always, which he supervised all the v- VFX in all of his movies. And what he likes to do is he does the principal photography and he does it in a very compact time. He gets all the actors on set, gets really great performances, obviously Academy Award winning performances out of people. And then he'll, he'll ask for this amount of time to complete the movie. Like in the case of Space Battleship Yamato, he said, I will do the principal photography in 60 days. That's filming all the actors' scenes mm-hmm. on all the sets. And after that, I want you to give me 10 months to do the VFX. And Toho let him do it. So Toho has this confidence in this guy because he's an Academy Award-winning director. He's the only guy from that generation of, including you know Shinji Higuchi, that has won 
like the big Academy Awards, like best director. Right, right. You know, and uh, so I, I'm obviously I'm I'm hinting that I think it's it's Takashi Yamazaki is going to be handed Godzilla. The the first part of Parasite opened up in November, and I think the second one opens in March of 2015, which means he'll be finished with that movie by January maybe February, and if they start shooting Godzilla in July, they said the summer, which could be anywhere between June and, and August. Right, right. You know, he that would line up for him. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, and some Japanese uh, filmmakers have also kind of hinted that maybe, not saying, not naming Yamazaki, but saying that Godzilla should be in the film as a man in suit, and the suit actor should be directed by Higuchi. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. You know, these these are probably just fans, you know, like filmmakers that are also fans that are doing the same thing we're doing here. Right. Yeah. Just batting things around. So, yeah. but that could be kind of interesting. My prediction is going to be Yamazaki because he's, he's, his movies have all been successful, financially successful, even if they haven't been maybe critically successful. You know, in the case of Yamato, like a lot of people came away from that going like, it's not like the original, you know, and I remember it being better. I don't like the story, but unanimously everybody goes, hey, man, the visual effects are great. Or, wow, they did really compress the whole story of a 26-episode TV show into a two-hour movie fairly okay. Yeah. But they changed this and they changed that. But nobody can deny that it's a pretty solid movie visually. Always is the kind of movie that's perfect. You know, that's the movie that makes everybody cry. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, you know, Dino and the big gorilla. When Maya Kong die, everybody cry. You know, so that's what, you know, he was, he's, he, Yamazaki's been able to do that. Yeah. And so his visual effects have only gotten better and better and better. And I mean, it's not just him sitting there with one computer rendering everything. You know, he's got, uh, you know, like I think a staff of about in house, I think he's got a staff of about 40 VFX artists. Okay. You know, cool. when he supervises, he super storyboards, he supervises everything. And uh, we'll see. You know, if if they pick him, if they decide to do an all-CGI Godzilla and not a suitmation Godzilla, it, just going by the really throwaway dream sequence in Always 2, which that movie is now, what, close to 10 years old? You know, that came out, what, in 2004, maybe? Always 2? Always it's 2. It's been a while. I think Always 2 is a little later. I think, wasn't Always 1 in 2000? four and then always two ah. whatever i'm not gonna say without having all in front of me yeah. you yeah. kids can wiki that yeah um <laughs> do imdb um but yeah you know so the, i mean those films were made a little while ago you know i mean in terms of the way motion pictures are made to you know today five years ago is a long time ago yeah you know leaps and bounds and changes in in, in technical quality and a lot of people are already bemoaning instead of being wow they're gonna make a new japanese godzilla movie i hope it's good you know people are just saying Oh, it's going to be as crappy as the Millennium movies. It's like, well, you can't assume that. No, no, no. no and, and they're like, that. they're just going to do it's the same thought process Toho had in the 90s and the 2000s. It's going to totally sink this. With the, and a part of the thing that they don't also realize is that there's been a total changing of the guards. All the people that were producing those movies, for better or worse, and some of the people were really are really great people, like Shogo Tomiyama. You know, he was the producer of the 90s movies and the millennium movies. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the studio ties your hands behind your back. You know, you want more money. You want to make a really great movie. And you're limited by a short schedule and and, and tight budgets. Absolutely limited, yeah. Yeah, he had to work with what he had, right? So that's all you got. 
So, but things have changed with this committee uh, that they formed, the uh, GojiCon. I think that the, the efforts Toho's putting into this is they want to go beyond what was done before. And that's part of that Hollywood line that everybody also is fighting over where they said we can't lose to Hollywood. Right, right. That's not, we're not bowing to Hollywood. Someone took that literally in the phrase uh, Makenai. The first character of Maka is, is back. And Makenai means I'm, we're not going to bow. But that's literal. That's like a literal translation. Mm -hmm. What it means in everyday Japanese is, you know, uh, we're not going to lose or you're saying that to somebody. Makenai, Makenai. That means... It's the same thing as gambate, you right, know, fight, right. fight, you know, keep pushing, keep going, you can do it. Makenai literally means don't lose. That means as playing a game or a fight or a duel or even competing. So it's like, you know, Toho is basically saying we're going to try to get to the quality of Hollywood we can't lose. We don't want to lose to Hollywood. We want to try to aspire to be as good as Hollywood. That's what they mean by that phrase. So without like, you know, writing an article where you have to have 50 footnotes, depending again, so, you know, this is also a major problem with translation, which has been my, one of my pet peeves and, and greatest points of, uh, of fury, <laughs> I guess, or irritation over the years is that, you know, people bumbling a translation. Right. And, you know, when you just copy and paste an article that you want to understand and put it in Google Translate, it's not going to be literate. Yeah. And it's not going to make much sense. You have to combine that with a knowledge of the Japanese language if you're even going to do that and then piece it together sentence by sentence. You yeah. deconstruct it sentence by sentence, you know, and, and therefore you still are going to get things lost in the translation. So that's part of the problem being, uh, you know, I guess an American fan, you know, of these films is the language barrier. Right. Absolutely. The term loss in translation is stunningly and horrifically, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, realized. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been reading today fans arguing and getting mad at Toho, you know, well, they're just trying to put down Hollywood because, you know, they're just slapping Legendary in the face after they made Legendary made them all that money. And that's not what they're saying. It's sort of like the coach, you know, the main guy there in the uh, Godzicon is saying to the public for the benefit of his in the his Toho employees, sort of like it's the game speech for the underdog in the sports movie. Right. That ends with. Go out there, guys, and do your best. We can't lose. Awesome. That's well, what yeah. the spirit of that phrase is. And uh, Norman was very bitingly accurate with when he pointed that out uh, yesterday to somebody going like, and he also added the fact that it's just typical producer uh, hyperbole and uh, bravado. You know, it's something that they, they are compelled to say. Right. They can't say, well, we're going to go out and make a movie, then we hope it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. They got to create a little hype behind it. Yeah. Yeah, create a little hype, but they also have, you know, if you don't have confidence in the project you're working on, why bother? Of course, right. You know, so I'm saying to Toho Gambate, and, uh, you know, they better make a good movie, but no matter what they do, it's still going to be better than Gino. Nice. Well, dude, that's a perfect place for us to wrap up, man. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Kaiju Cast. And Thanks, man. And if uh, anybody wants more information on you, they can follow you on Facebook and Twitter, and of course, Check out The Good, The Bad, and The Godzilla. Yeah, and then my book, too. You know, oh, 80 Superman yeah. Master Monsters. Or, <laughs> you know, just check your local police blotters. <laughs> Jamata.
し続かり星を見たいだけなのにこちら